we've started a new series last week concerning, entitled, I should say, Reboot, and getting our lives back on track. And so many times we start in January with a big push, big plug, and we're going well for about two or three weeks. And then, you know, the gym membership drops off, and then maybe the Bible reading isn't where it should be in the prayer, you know, because you get back in the grind of life. And so I want us to uh, reboot, if you will, over these next few weeks as Christians to be able to uh, keep on track and stay on track. Take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to continue our study of ruling authority, ruling authority. 2 Timothy chapter 3, and take a look at verse 14. The Bible says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned. And hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scriptures given by inspiration of God is unprofitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this time, and I thank you for your word, and I pray that you would help us this morning. I pray that you would take your word and that you would use it. And Father, I ask that my heart and my mind would be pure and clean before you, dear God. I pray that you would give me the strength that I need physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually to be able to preach your word. And Father, we ask that this morning, if there are those here that may not know you as their personal Savior, that they would come to know you, that today would be the day of their salvation. We ask you for it. We do pray that you would meet the needs of those that are here this morning, some that are hurting, that are discouraged, that are heartbroken, whatever it may be, Father, I pray that you would help meet their needs. We ask you for it. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. All of us have some type of authority that governs our life. Whether we want to admit it or not, even if we say we despise authority and, and we don't want anything to do with authority, the authority that rules in our life is ourself at that point. It could be our desires or our impulses. But there is some type of ruling authority in your life. And the Bible teaches us that for the believer... Those who know Christ, their personal Savior, that scriptural authority is to be the ruling authority in your life. See, if the Bible is going to have an impact upon your life, it must be the ruling authority in your life. And to really have something be the ruling authority in your life, you live by that. You, that's what you believe and that's how you live. Whether it's, again, for your desires or uh, for whatever belief that you have, That becomes the ruling authority, and so therefore, that is what you live out on your day-to-day life. The world tells us that there's no such thing as absolute truth, but when you think about that statement that they just made, there's no such thing as absolute truth. They just made an absolute statement, and therefore, they're contradicting themselves when they make that statement. There is absolute truth, and the Bible tells us that there's absolute truth, and the the Word of God is absolute truth. And for all of us, even if you don't know Christ as your personal Savior here this morning, there there is portions of Scripture that ought to be the ruling authority in your life. For all of us to be able to come to know Christ as our personal Savior, the only way is to allow the Bible to have the ruling authority in our life. 
See, we've got to submit to the word of God and we've got to yield ourselves unto the word of God and say, Lord, your word is right. What the world has taught me is wrong. What I may have created as a God in my own mind is wrong. What the philosophers have said may be wrong. What the college has taught me is wrong. But your word is right. And so therefore, I'm going to submit to your word about what it says concerning salvation. We talked to you last week, and you'll see in your handout, and let me just go through it very quickly, that, that uh, let me just go through this, that the first uh, reason why you must uh, have the Bible as the ruling authority in your life is that you'll be able to survive and thrive in an evil age. And I gave you two things there that, that you must continue. If you were to study this out, you'll find from verses 14 down to verse 17, you'll find that the main verb which controls this whole section is to continue. That word, Continue. So what Paul is telling Timothy and telling us as Christians underneath the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is continue in these things. Continue what you've learned. Continue to follow those who have taught you and continue in the scriptures. So he says you must continue and then you must follow. There ought to be godly examples in your life that follow the word of God, that, that uh, uh, have the word of God as a ruling authority in your life. And I asked you last week, I said to you, I said, would somebody be able to look at you and say, hey, I can follow their Christian walk because they allow the Bible to be the ruling authority in their life? You know, every Christian ought to be that type of Christian. Every Christian ought to be the type of person that, that other younger Christians would be able to say that they allow the Bible to be the ruling authority in their life. A matter of fact, it ought to be that unsaved people, when they look at our lives, those who don't know Christ and maybe are caught up in religion, they don't know, have a personal relationship with Christ, and they ought to look at our life and be able to say, you know what, I may not agree with them, and I may not even like them, but you know, they do live by the Bible. The unsaved world should be able to say that. Matter of fact, in the Gospels it says that the unsaved world should be able to see your good deeds and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So even the unsaved world should see that the Bible is the ruling authority in our life. Secondly, I told you that you only have, you, you, you will have the only total reliable book to guide you. How do we know that it's reliable? Well, just like any book, you look to the author, and I mentioned that to you. You can rely on the author. God is the author of the Bible. The Bible tells us here that all scripture is given by God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God. God was the one who authored this book, not man. It wasn't a bunch of prophets or apostles that got together and figured out that they would come up with some religious ideas and throw them in a book. No, it was God who inspired this book. The Bible tells us we can rely on its author. But not only can we rely on the author, we can rely on its authority. We can rely on its authority. It's the only book in the world that has, the, uh, the only book in the world that has total authority is the Bible. The only reason that I can stand up and preach to you, the only reason that I have authority is because of the Bible. And when I stand upon the Word of God and I preach the Word of God, I have the authority of the Bible behind me. But when I move off of that, I have only the authority of myself. And just like you, you only have the authority of yourself if we are not allowing the Bible to rule our life. And then thirdly, I'd mention to you that we can rely on its accuracy. We can rely on its accuracy the point is, and I mentioned this to you, that Scripture is as reliable as God is. The Bible tells us that Jesus says, I am the way, the life, and truth, right? And wouldn't it be interesting if 
wouldn't it be interesting to, to have somebody say, well, this book is not totally accurate. And I had mentioned to you that how could a God who claims to be totally true give us a book that would have errors in it? That's an oxymoron. A God of truth would not give us a book with errors in it. There may be some things that we don't understand, but this book is completely accurate and we can allow it to rule our life. Do you know what the worst kind of attack on the Word of God is? It's not the attack that people say that it's inaccurate. But the most devastating way to undermine the Bible is when Christians, us, when Christians go out into the world with a bunch of unsaved folks and we say that we believe the Bible, but in all actuality, we deny its authority because we don't live it out. That undermines Scripture and it undermines people coming to Christ more than any other way. Now, it doesn't mean that we're perfect, and you may have the world call you a hypocrite, but guess what? The world's hypocritical as well. All of us are hypocrites to a point. Just because we know Christ doesn't mean that we're perfect, but my friends, we ought to strive to live underneath the authority of this book, and that way people can be able to look at us and say, no, they're not perfect, and no, they failed, and by the way, when you have failed, and when you've messed it up, and there might be some unsaved co-workers, unsaved friends, and you've blown it with them, why don't you just humble yourself, go back to them, and say, you know what, I'm sorry for being a bad testimony, I'm sorry for being a poor example of a Christian, would you please forgive me because that's not the way Christ wants me to act and to handle myself. You know what that would do for the unsaved? That would totally shock them. But instead, in our pride, we think, no, I can't do that. Well, you know, it could cost somebody their eternal destiny if you don't. Because none of us are perfect. We're all going to blow it. Let's not be the ones that would undermine the word of God. But thirdly, and let me give you some new material this morning. Why should I have the Bible as the ruling authority in my life? Number three, you will have the only book that is useful for every area of your life. You will have the only book that is useful for every area of your life. Take a look at 2 Timothy chapter 3, if you will, please, verses 16 and 17. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. The Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You know what the Bible is saying? The Bible is telling us here this morning, it's saying that scripture is profitable for us. It means that it's useful, it's beneficial for us. We would say it this way. We would say that the Bible is advantageous for us to follow in our daily lives. It, it will help us. You say, how can it help us? Well, the Bible answers a lot of questions of life. You know what the Bible answers? The Bible answers, who am I? The Bible will answer that question. The Bible answers, why was I created? The Bible answers, is there a God? The Bible answers, is there life after death? The Bible answers, what's going to happen in the future? One of the reasons why prophecy is such a hot topic and people want to hear about prophecy is because everybody wants to know what's going to happen in the future, right? 
Oh, I wonder what's going to happen. And I wonder what's going to happen with North and South Korea and America. I wonder what's going to happen with Iran and Iraq and Afghanistan. And I wonder what's going to happen here. And, and we're, I wonder what's going to happen in this relationship. And I wonder what's going to happen. We're always wondering what's going to happen. We want to know. Well, the Bible gives us the answer to that. And not only does the Bible answer those questions, but the Bible answers practical questions as well. How do I make wise decisions? You know the Bible tells you how to make wise decisions? The Bible tells you how to control your emotions. The Bible tells you how you should think. I want you to turn over real quick, and I want you to take a look at that. Take a look at Philippians, if you will, please, chapter 4. How should I think? In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 4, the Bible says, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 5, Let your moderation be known unto all men the Lord is hand. Verse 6 says, Be careful for nothing but in everything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request known unto God. In verse 7, it says, Now, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, here you go. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Wow. See, the Bible tells us how to think. Not only does it tell us there how to think, but it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 how to think. You say, wait a second, 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is a love chapter. Yeah, it says, love thinks no evil. It tells us how to think. Not only does it tell us how to think, but the Bible says, how do I handle people who do not like me? How do I handle people that do not like me? The Bible tells me how I should treat others. The Bible tells me how should I handle my money. The Bible tells me, here you go, ladies, you'll like this one. You'll love this one. Ladies, you need to be reminding your husbands. They need to be asking themselves this question. What kind of husband should I be? All husbands ought to be asked, what kind of husband should I be? We don't need to ask the ladies what kind of wives they should be because all the ladies of Open Bible, they are perfect. I just scored points right there. How about this? The Bible answers the question, how do I raise my kids? Man, in a world that's going crazy, if, <laughs> don't we need that? See, all these and many other questions the Bible answers, and, uh, which is to be the ruling authority in our life. See, you will have the only book that is useful for every area of your life. Why is that? Well, first, you learn what to believe. Letter A, if you're taking notes, you learn what to believe. It says the Bible is profitable for doctrine. This is the teaching of, of, of Christian belief. If we don't know what to believe, we will be like the false teachers. What does it say in 2 Timothy 3, 7? Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. I want you to think about what to believe. I want to spend a few moments here and, and think about what do you believe? Just one subject here, probably the most important subject in all the world. What do you believe about 
your eternal destiny. What do you believe is going to happen to you after you die? What do you believe about salvation? See, there's a, lot of, there, there's a lot of people today that will tell you if your good works outweigh your bad, then, you know, when you get to the pearly gates and you meet St. Peter, which it's not going to happen, but it sounds good anyway. When you get to those pearly gates and you meet St. Peter and he says, hey, why should I let you in or why should God have you into his heaven? And you say, well, St. Peter, my good's going to outweigh my bad and I've been a pretty good person He's not going to say, well, you almost made it, so you've got to just wait a little bit longer, and maybe, you know, the, the, some, some people will be able to help you out, and maybe you'll be able to get into heaven. You know, you can't find that in Scripture. You know what the Bible tells us? I want you to turn, and I want you to see this, what the Bible has to say. I don't want you to see what a Baptist preacher has to say or, or some religious leader. It really doesn't matter what religious leaders have to say. It only matters what the Bible has to say. Because, my friend, there's a lot of religious leaders out there today that are, that are toting false doctrine. They're telling you stuff that you want to hear, but they're not telling you what the truth is. And take a look at Romans, if you will, please. Some will say that if you're a good enough person, you'll be able to get into heaven. The Bible tells me in, in the Old Testament that all our goodness or our righteousness is as filthy rags. Take a look at Romans chapter 3. I want you to see this here. What's the Bible have to say? What do you believe? If the Bible's the ruling authority in your life, what do you believe about salvation? Romans chapter 3 and verse 23. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody. Guess what? There's not a single person upon the face of the earth. I don't care Mahatma Gandhi, Mother Teresa. I don't care who it is, Billy Graham or or, uh, some other great preacher. I don't care who it is this morning. Everybody has sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. That's what the Bible says. All have sinned. And in order to have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you have to believe that. You've got to learn what the Bible has to say. Now turn over to Romans chapter 5, if you will. See what the Bible has to say in verse 8. Romans 5, 8, the Bible says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. See, the reason that your good's not going to be able to outweigh your bad, number one, is because your, your, your uh, righteousness, your goodness is as filthy rags. But number two, because Christ already paid the penalty while you were still a sinner. So it's like this. The debt's already been paid. If I said to you, hey, friend, uh, I, I found out that you've got a $10,000 debt, and I just want to let you know, uh, I'm going to write out a check, and I'm going to pay that debt for you, and it's all going to be clear. Well, number one, I don't have that kind of money. But if I did and knew that you needed it, I would help you out. I'd pay that debt off for you. You say, oh, wow, pastor, that is great. That's wonderful. While you were already in your debt, I paid it for you. But see, salvation goes further than that. While we were sinners, the Bible says, Christ died for us. That meant we were the enemies of God. It's one thing to pay off a debt for a friend. It's a whole other thing to pay off a debt for an enemy. And if I were to have an enemy, which 
as loving and as kind as I am, I don't have any enemy. Could you imagine me having an enemy? I mean, look at me. What's not to love? I was expecting a rousing amen, amen, amen. But everybody's just laughing. But if I had an enemy and I found out that they had a $10,000 debt and I paid that debt off for them, you say, wow, that's amazing. That's exactly what Christ did for us on the cross. We were his enemies. So what do you believe about salvation? But not only that, I want you to think now that if that's what Christ did for us while you were his enemy and the debt's already been paid and you get to the pearly gates and you say, well, I'm going to have my good outweigh my bad. Why would you continually pay on a debt that's already been paid? If you looked at that person and you found out that I had done that for an enemy, you would look at them and you would say, are you still paying on that debt that that preacher paid off for you? Well, yeah. What are you, crazy? You could have an extra 10 grand in your pocket. You could be enjoying life a little bit more. Man, you're still paying on that debt? Well, yeah, because uh, so-and-so said I still need to pay on it. But he paid the debt off. But Dr. So-and-so and Professor So-and-so and religious leader So-and-so said I, I need to still pay on this because it, it's just not good enough for him to pay it off. Friends, that's exactly what religion teaches us, that we got to continue doing it over and over and over and over again. And Jesus said that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The debt's been paid. If you continually pay on the debt, all that you're doing is just being foolish. That's it. Your good's not going to outweigh your bad. But God commendeth his love toward us. That while Christ, while we were at sinners, Christ died for us. Take a look, if you will, at Romans chapter 6. See, the Bible is profitable for doctrine. This is Christian teaching. This is Christian teaching. Verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, now you've got an option. Here we go. We're Americans. We like choices, don't we? You ever go to a diner? A diner now, their, their menu is like an encyclopedia. You know, I'll have number 3,462, please. No mayo. You know? Now you have options. The Bible says that your sin, there are wages. All of us who have jobs, whatever the case may be, we earn wages. We earn payment. We get paid for what we do, right? Okay. You don't get paid for what somebody else does. Okay, you don't, go to, you don't go into wherever you work and, and, and you get paid. Well, surely she worked, so I'm going to get paid for her work. No, you get paid for what you do. And the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. So the payment for your sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So you have an option. Death has already taken place for you through the person of Jesus Christ. Remember? But God commended his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So somebody had to die. And Christ was the only one that could take our payment. Now, if we refuse this gift that God says he's going to give to us, then you're going to pay that penalty. And you're going to pay for it for all of eternity. 
See, friend, you can't find anywhere in Scripture. I'm talking about if we're going to allow the Bible to rule our life. You can't find anywhere in Scripture where it says that, you know, you're going to go to this intermediate state and hopefully maybe somebody will give enough money or maybe somebody will say enough prayers or maybe uh, you'll be reincarnated or something like that and you'll get another chance at this. There's nowhere in Scripture the only totally reliable book that says that. But what it does say is that after once to die and after that, the judgment. There's only one time that you're going to die, and there's only one opportunity that you will have, and that opportunity is here on this earth. See, what are we going to believe? Are we going to believe what the world has purported? Are we going to believe what the Word of God has to say? What I find interesting is all other religions, they say that there's many ways to God, many ways to heaven or nirvana or, or utopia or wherever you want to go. But we're talking about the ruling authority, the biblical teaching of Christianity. What does the Bible say? The Bible is the only inclusive Christianity. Believing in Jesus Christ is the only inclusive but also exclusive religion there is. What do you mean? It's inclusive meaning that Jesus is the only way. But it's exclusive for everyone. That what, what do we mean here? That, that everybody can accept him. Whosoever, whosoever. I got an exclusive, an exclu- inclusive, and exclusive. Just switching. But you get the point. See, you've got to make that choice. What are you going to believe? All of us believe something. All of us have a ruling authority in our life. Now take a look. See what the Bible has to say. Not a Baptist preacher. See what the Bible, God's word, has to say. Take a look at Romans chapter uh, 10. Take a look at verse 9. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? That is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. See, the reason that I'm preaching the gospel to you this morning is because there's people that are lost and undone and that need Christ. You say, well, preacher... The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Well, that might be good for you, but I'm just going to work my way to heaven. That's what I've been taught. I want you to turn over to Ephesians. My friend, I'm telling you, your good works are not going to get you in. Take a look at Ephesians. See, you can be just like these false teachers here that we said, you learn what to believe. 2 Timothy 3, 7 says, ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of truth. Why? Because they were looking all over the place. You got to go back to the Bible. This is the only thing that you can rest your feet upon. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 2. Take a look at verse 8. 
Religion says, I've got to do more. I've got to do more. I've got to do good works. I've got to be a good person. I've got to, as long as I don't murder anybody, commit adultery, get too drunk, get too high, do all those type of things, I'm a good, I'll, I'll be all right. Hmm. As long as I'm kind to people and I help out the homeless, as long as I give to uh, humanitarian things. And I think it's good to be able to help homeless people. I think it's good to be able to help maybe Red Cross, humanitarian aids, or Habitat for Humanity, those types. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not going to get you into heaven. As long as I'm kind, no, that's not going to get you into heaven. Take a look at Ephesians chapter 2. Again, what the Bible has to say. Verse 8. For by grace... For by grace are you saved through faith. And now look at this, folks. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What are those next three words? Would you read those with me, if if you would, please, out loud? Not of works, lest any man should boast. Not of works. It's an impossibility to be able to get into heaven by works. Why? Number one, because your works are filthy. Number two, because the debt's already been paid. Number three, because the Bible tells us that it's not of works, it's a gift. And number four, the reason you can't get in because of your works is because God's not going to let anybody in the heaven to boast and say, look at how good I was. See, heaven's all about, about God looking at how good he is. So what do you believe about the Bible? See, the Bible teaches us what to believe. And there must be sound teaching on what the Word of God has to say, not what man has to say. You know, I hope you didn't come here this morning to be able to hear what I have to say because I really don't have much to say. But I hope you've come to be able to hear what the Word of God has to say. That's what the Word of God has to say about salvation. That's the only way that one can escape hell and have a relationship with the living God. That's the only way that one can be able to lose their burden of sin and be able to walk free in the grace of God. That's the only way that you can be able to know that Jesus Christ is your Savior and that you can have a personal, living, vibrant relationship with Him every day and every every hour. That's the only way that you can be able to go and pray to Him and, and be able to experience His presence in your life and be able to see answers to prayer. That is the only way because that's what the Bible says. See, but there are many that are teaching contrary doctrine. 1 Timothy 1.10 says, For whoremongers and for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for for purged persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine... 1 Timothy 4.1 talks about doctrines of devils. In 1 Timothy 4.6, it says, Put the brethren in remembrance of these things. Thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ. You know what I just put you in remembrance of? The way of salvation this morning. And the Bible says that I put you in remembrance of sound doctrine. I am a good minister of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it will nourish you up in the word of faith and good doctrine. Whereunto thou hast attained... 1 Timothy 4, 13, the Bible says, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. 1 Timothy 4, 16, the Bible says, Take heed, or look at yourself. It says, Take heed unto thyself, and unto the doctrine continue in them. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. See, folks, there is a great need for sound doctrine. So what are you allowing to rule in your life? Sound doctrine is teaching, it, it tells us what we believe. 
Let me ask you this morning. What do you believe about salvation? You say, well, Pastor, most of us in here know Christ is our personal Savior. I already know that. Number one, if that's your attitude, you might want to do some business with the Lord. Because we ought to never get over the gospel. But the second thing is, if you do believe that, and you do believe that if people don't accept that, that they're going to die and go to hell, shouldn't that motivate you? I mean, if, you, if the Bible is the ruling authority in our life, shouldn't that motivate you to at least share that with them? Shouldn't that at least... At least tug on your heart to say, hey, I know somebody that's without Christ, and if, if life ceases in their body, I've got to get them the message of, of, of God. They've got to at least have a chance to be able to accept it or reject it. You may have heard the gospel a thousand times or ten thousand times in your life, and maybe it's become old hat to you, but this morning, would you ask God to say, God, please help the Bible to become the ruling authority in my life, and give me a greater passion for the lost, because I do believe your way of salvation. I do believe that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I do believe in the personal work of the Lord Jesus and that he rose again three days later. I believe that, Lord. Give me a greater passion for those who don't know him. I mean, if we really believe this and, and if the Bible is really the ruling authority in our hearts, then we ought to be people that are sharing it all the time with all those around us who don't know the Lord. I mean, if we believe it. Or is this just a nice little Christian social club that we get together? Now, we've done our Christian duty then guess what? Then we are no better than any other religion. And last time I checked, I checked out of religion. I'm not into religion. I checked out. I don't want anything to do with religion. All I want is a relationship with the living God. And there's a major difference. And when my passion for souls has waned and, and when I'm not where I, I should be, I need to get back with God and say, God, Give, give me that fire back in my heart because this is what I believe is true about salvation. This is what I believe is true about sin. And this is what I believe is true about your son. And this is what I believe is true about hell. And this is what I believe is true about all of eternity because of what your word says. So therefore, God, give me back a passion for souls. Help me to see people as you see them lost and dying and without a savior. And if I don't get to them, who will? See, we've got to take it as our own personal responsibility. I mean, if this book is really going to rule in our life. The most devastating way to undermine the Word of God is for Christians to say that they believe the Bible but live contrary to it. <coughs> The sad thing is that we've all done that. And for those of you who may not know Christ, we're sorry. We're sorry that maybe we haven't been as consistent as we need to be. We would ask you to forgive us. But don't, don't bet your eternal security on an inconsistent human being. Look past us and look to Jesus. 
You say, man, I've had some people try and share the gospel with me, and they're just trying to shove it down my throat. I'm sorry. I've known some Christians, man, they just cuss up a storm. They, they're worse than a drunken sailor. Sorry for any Navy people. I'm not blaming the Navy or anything like that. I'm sorry. I've known some Christian people to run on their husbands, run on their wives. I'm sorry. It happens. I'm not making excuses. It's sin. It's wrong. But don't bank your eternal destiny on those people. They are human beings. Look to Jesus, the only one who has never sinned. The only one that, to be honest with you, any of us can count on. You know, your problem at looking at other people, Christians, inconsistently, is not just a problem with you. That happens with Christians in here. We, we get our eyes on people, too. You know, that's a trick of the devil. He wants us to look at other people. So you know what happens for Christians? Those who don't know Christ, you know what happens for Christians? Then we get discouraged in our walk, and then we say, oh, or we get judgmental. We look down our pharisaical noses and say, oh, well, I can't believe that they did that. Oh, I'd never do that. Yes, you would. Yeah, you would. There's no sin out there that you wouldn't commit. All God has to do is give you over to your own heart. The worst thing that God can do is give a man over to his own heart or a woman over to their own heart. And when he does, you would do anything that's possible. But see, the devil's trick is to get us looking at others. And the devil's trick for the unsaved is to get you looking at others. And then for you to start thinking, what will my family think? If I accept you, what will my family think? I'm, my friend, don't bank your eternity on what they think. You better bank your eternity on what God says. So Christian friend this morning, do you believe that this is the way? I mean, that Jesus really is the only way. If so, you'll be a better witness. You say, I, I, I witness all the time. I'm a good witness. Well, then, you know, that, that may be the case, but you can still be a better witness. There are things in your life that are inconsistent. Maybe you ask God to start pointing them out so you can be a better witness. I already have a passion for souls. Listen, you can't have a passion for souls too great. You'll never have a passion like Jesus did. So ask for a greater passion. And if you're here this morning, you don't know Christ as your personal Savior. I'm begging you upon what the Word of God has to say to make the day, today the day of your salvation. You might say, Pastor, I, I don't know about that. All I can tell you is what the Bible has to say. In Hebrews, the Bible says, it is appointed unto man. It is appointed. There is a time, specific time, specific day. It is appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. See, there's an appointment on God's calendar for every single one of us for life to cease in our body. It is going to happen. You will not miss that appointment, and you won't be late for it. 
It's going to happen. You say, I'm just not ready. You don't know if you have tomorrow. The Bible also tells us that life is as a vapor. It's here one minute, and it's gone the next. I remember one time when I was in Ohio pastoring there, I was called, and there was someone that had a relative that didn't know the Lord. They were in the hospital, and they were dying. They said, Pastor, is it possible for you to rush up to Columbus and get to the hospital and maybe just try and share the gospel with them one more time? They could not talk. They were pretty much out of it. And I was praying on the way up, Lord, help them to be at least coherent enough to be able to hear the gospel. When I walked into the room, his hands were already black. They were black. His death was setting in. I grabbed his hand, and I can't remember his name, and I called his name. I said, can you hear me? I said, if you can hear me, just squeeze my hand. And I felt a little bit of a pressure on my hand. I said, and I can't, again, I can't remember his name. I said his name. I said, I want to talk to you about something because you're getting ready to go into eternity. And I shared with him the gospel. I went through the whole plan of salvation as, as specifically and as quickly as I could because, I mean, this person was on their last breath. But very succinctly, very thoroughly, shared the gospel with them. I said, would you like to accept Christ as your personal Savior? If so, squeeze my hand. He very gently squeezed my hand. I went through what we call the sinner's prayer. Prayer doesn't save you. It's your faith in Jesus Christ that saves you, flat out. You can't find in Scripture if you pray a prayer that you're going to get saved, that your faith in Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says. But there's a sinner prayer of repentance and asking Christ to be your Savior. And, and I went through that with him. And I said, friend, did you... Say that in your heart and your mind, and did you mean it? If so, just squeeze my hand. And very lightly, he squeezed my hand. I heard a word of prayer, and I slipped out of the room. And not too many moments later, he went into eternity. You said, Well, Pastor, that, that will be me. I, I'll wait. I've also known young people that have gone down the Black Horse Pike that used to attend Open Bible Baptist Church, going to work, got in a car accident, and went into eternity. See, you don't know when you're going to go into eternity. And since you don't know, you ought to make today the day of salvation. Say, Lord, I'm going to call on you. Lord, if you'll have me, if you'll have me, here I come. And guess what, friend? I don't care whatever you have done. I don't care what it is. 
You say, Pastor, I've murdered somebody. That's a horrible thing. Can God forgive me? Yes, he can. I've done some horrible things. Pastor, if you just knew, I I don't need to know. Jesus knows. Pastor, I got to get these things cleaned up and write my life. No, you don't. Jesus wants you exactly as you are. He healed the lame. He healed the leper. He healed the blind. All of them came just as they were. They couldn't see on their own. They couldn't walk on their own. They couldn't cure their leprosy on their own. They came just as they were, and Jesus healed them physically and spiritually. And that's exactly what Jesus wants to do for you today. I just need to become a better husband or a better father or just a a better person overall. No, you don't. What you need is Jesus and Jesus alone because Jesus is better. And he'll make you better. So this morning, would you come to him? Stop putting it off. I just don't know, Pastor. Let me ask you then. What's it going to take? What's it going to take for you to come to Christ? Tell me, what's it going to take? Friend, the only thing that I can tell you is that you are as close to salvation today than you probably ever will be. I've given to you what the Bible has said, and I've poured my heart out to you. I've done all but go to your seat and pull you out of your seat and say, because I can't make you get saved. If I could get saved for you, I would, but I can't. Just like you don't get paid for somebody else's work, their wages, I can't get saved for you. And Christian friend, if you believe this book, let me ask you, when was the last time you handed out a track? When was the last time, Christian friend, that you sat down and opened up your Bible and shared with your neighbor that you developed a relationship with or a coworker, or a business partner or, or a, a business uh, uh, a friend or whatever, and you had an opportunity to be able to open up your Bible, maybe at a Starbucks somewhere, at a restaurant somewhere, and share with them the gospel? So how about it? If you don't know the Lord, would you make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior today? If you do know the Lord, will you commit to its ruling authority in your life and share the gospel? This is the doctrine, the doctrine of the word of God. This is the Christian belief that Jesus has taught us. Would you share it with a lost and dying world?